When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. And when it was announced that VAR will be introduced into the Premier League, I predicted that we would spend more time discussing VAR decisions than we would spend discussing those errors that VAR was going to eliminate. Well, we may cover VAR today. I'm not sure. I suspect we might along with other issues, a dominant performance against Spurs, uh, changes to Law 12, Edison's positioning for the first goal, City's defending. Our popular hit-and-miss game is back, and so are two very popular guests as well. A welcome back to, first of all, Nick Goldstone. Hi, Nigel. And to Rob Barron, CTID. Hi, Nigel. So, was VAR to blame or the new handball law that is an ass? You're looking at me. I am, Nick. On the handball decision? Yeah. VAR was right. The handball law is a bit silly. A, um, bit, a bit silly because it gives advantage to the attacking side, or... How long have we got? We, we, we've got as long as you like, because, it, you know, listen, Twitter, social media, the newspapers, it's all full of it again for the second week running. So we've got, to, we've got to cover it. I don't really want to. I'm, I'm frustrated by it, but we've got to cover it. So let, let's cover it and get out of the way and get on with what actually at times was a scintillating performance, of course, which I don't want to lose in the, in the noise of VAR. Um, I think the... Uh, I'm just trying to look for the rules... Uh, on the well, I can tell. I can tell. Well, I can't. I can tell you what they are. What it, and I guess one could argue this has been brought in because of VAR, of course, because there has been a lot of confusion. You know, is it deliberate? Is it not? So, so my understanding of the law as it stands now is that if the ball hits an attacker's hand or arm, accidentally or otherwise, in the build-up to a goal that, that actually ends up in the back of the net, that will be then be brought back if VAR spots it, and a free kick will be given to the defending side. If, however, it hits a defender accidentally, that is still seen as accidental handball, which a lot of people have been confused about and also feel that's wrong. Because if you think about the old offside law, of course, it, always, it was intended to give the advantage to the attacking side. So that's where I've got a bit of an issue with it. But anyway, so, uh, so well, back to you. That's well, I, I agree, and that's part of a bigger and wider problem, that the way that they've changed the, the law um, is a, a little bit unfair in practice. Um, but the wording is important because it does go to the fact that there's a degree of incompetence here and the wording of the law is it is an offence if a player deliberately touches the ball with their hand stroke arm including moving the hand stroke arm towards the ball so that didn't apply in this case yep. it is an offence if a player gains possession stroke control of the ball after it has touched their hand arm and then scores in the opponent's goal or creates a goal scoring opportunity and this does apply so just to be clear that's where it applies in this situation well, I don't think Laporte gained possession. 
nor did he gain control of the ball after it touched his hand or arm. But City gained an advantage once it hit his arm. Well, that may be right, but the, and the that's wording, what, that's where the the wording of the law is, is bad. It's appalling. And it, it, in this case, that didn't apply. So the, the point here is that it, with VAR, every single tiny aspect is under the microscope and is supposed to be adjudged 100% accurately. And yet they can't get the wording of the rule right. Okay. So, so, so Rob, you sat there very, very patiently, um, and I know you have a view on, on this, and, and, and I'm, I guess the listeners are keen to hear your view. Well, I think Nick spoke eloquently, but to say there's a degree of incompetence I think is wrong. I mean, the whole thing is a complete mess, and it makes me very cross for some of the reasons that you've already set out. First of all... I was there, I had a beautiful seat, I saw everything, but I knew nothing about uh, the reasons for the disallowed goal because it wasn't shown on a screen. Secondly, uh, the referee was taken away from being the decision maker, uh, which I think is wrong. I I support VAR, but I think that... uh, the principle of clear and obvious should apply to everything, not just to to those things that are set out in the rules. And I was astonished that the referee did not even look at the video at the end of the game so that he could uh, express a view about it. Two more things. First of all, the rule is clearly wrong, wrong wrong-headed, because football is a game of entertainment and you should give an advantage to those who are attacking and trying to to make the game interesting. And this clearly disadvantages the attacking team, which I think is why uh, Kevin De Bruyne was so disappointed when when he talked about it. But the whole thing is just uh, an elitist mess-up in which the trust between those who support Uh, the game and those who rule it has been widened by an an incompetent implementation of it. I mean, but what can you expect from uh, a body of people who insist that you build private roads uh, to ensure that FIFA officials can go to uh, World Cup games as part of the contract for a World Cup? It's elitist nonsense and it needs to be transformed. Uh, let's not go down the private roads for a second. Uh, we might cover that on another show. I, I'm keen to come back just to VAR if I can. Um, and I suppose rather than going through the issue over again, I think everybody understands that everybody's frustrated by it. The, the, we, we've got it now. Yeah. Uh, and I suspect it, having started a handful of games with it, they're not going to stop it either. We're going we're gonna to run through it between now and the end of the season. Or do any of you actually think potentially it could get to a situation where they actually abort it and say, actually, we need to do more work, as Rob suggests. I think everybody would agree with you, Rob. A little bit like cricket people are suggesting. Actually, I was at Lords myself for a couple of days this week. And it's very clear the second there's a review over the, the uh, loudspeakers, you, you've got a commentary between the various umpires, you see it on the screen, and you're in complete... Uh, the, there's total transparency as to what's going on. And it shouldn't be beyond the wit of man to introduce that into football. At least that will allow the, the, the supporters... I mean, all three of us were there at the weekend. Um, we were all in the stadium, and we didn't have the advantage of some of our colleagues maybe who were sitting at home and, and could see it on the screen. So that's something that could happen quite quickly, I would imagine, without necessarily just pulling the rug under VAR. Do any of you actually think strongly enough that 
we could potentially just pull the rug and do a bit more work and accept that it's not quite right yet. And did you feel that strongly, Nick, or not? Well, I don't think that'll happen. I mean, the, 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 the level of pomposity within the, the management of, of, of the game nationally and internationally could, could never enable that to happen as far as I could see. Uh, but, you know, and we talked about this last year, Nigel, cricket is, is the prime example of how it can be used as long as the nature of the game allows it to be and that it is imp- imp- implemented well. And in cricket, it's been implemented brilliantly. I mean, you even get to hear, you know, the, the Aussie or the New Zealander or the Indian guy who's up in his room talking you th- through the replays uh, and going through it step by step. And, you know, there's no, there's no implication that the, the umpire is, has been, is wrong or is, has done a bad job. He's just told that he's got to change his decision because when you look at it with all of the technology available, you find that naturally there are some errors. But in football, it's just not, it's just not being implemented in that way. One of the problems I have is, and I've got many problems, as, as you both know, but, but one particular problem, I've given a lot of thought since the game uh, at the weekend, is that if we're really going to use VAR properly, you have to kind of almost forensically look at every single decision to the nth degree to actually feel confident that this is now the right decision that is being taken. And I don't think the technology is there already. There's been a report today that the cameras are not up to speed. They're, as I understand it, they take pictures, what is it, 50 frames per second, which means there could be a margin of error of almost 39 centimetres when it comes to an offside decision and so on. So, so you can't forensically check and say heart with your hand on your heart that it is the right decision i think the solution to that is to come back to the point i made about something only being changed if there is a clear and obvious error and that's not clear is it if you pardon the pun i don't think there is clarity around you're absolutely right so uh uh, an offside decision is said to be outside of that you're either offside or you're not and that's that's clearly not possible in the, in the situation that we're in. So with, with the situation we have now, and of course it's interesting that City, of course, have been on the rough end of a couple of decisions in, in just two weeks. Um, what do you think the answer is then? Sort of going into next week or the following week, what, what can be done quickly then, without, with a, as I say, without going over the City uh, situation again? Just think of VAR, VAR generally within the Premier League. Thoughts, ideas of what could happen quite quickly just to make life better, to, for either for the spectators, for the sport so we're not having this ludicrous situation where we've got spectators not necessarily celebrating their own team's goal or having that massive high down to a massive low which is clearly totally unacceptable Uh, well i don't think there's anything you can do to change that other than scrap it entirely Uh, you know it's just one of the reasons why the system isn't going to work as well for uh, for football as it does for some other sports like cricket or nfl at being um, two major examples where the game is stopped every 20 seconds and therefore there's always time for a simple review of a decision. That just doesn't happen in, uh, um, in football. I guess one of the most obvious ways that it could be improved quickly would be to talk through the decisions on big screens which are... At I think every Premier League ground. I think the two haven't got them actually, uh, but but that's that's a by the way. It happened to be Old Trafford and Anfield. Most my understanding, yeah. they they for some reason don't have large screens at those two grounds. But you can hear the audio anyway, and you get people to um, 
do the audio and you put it on the big um, s- s- screen so at least everyone can see. Anything can be happen? What can happen well, now, I Rob? I think there are, there are two things that worry me. One, the first is that uh, reading up on the background to this, uh, the English position is that they, they are using it more sensitively than their continental colleagues. Now, this is a... This, this is a piece of colonialism because each of the uh, games so far, there's been an intervention of VAR on about eight occasions, uh, and a lot of it has been ham-fisted. If this is sensitive, can you imagine what it's like it when, when, they, when they get rolling? The, the, the other thing that worries me is that Guardiola is a consummate professional, and he said... Uh, to the media that he thought that the people in the VAR room must have been having a cup of coffee when uh, Rodri Rodri was taken out. Now, you know, that is a a very serious situation for the Premier League to find itself in. But it's interesting you should say that because I was going to raise this issue myself and this has been one of my fundamental issues with VAR. Of course, that situation becomes a matter of opinion. And we've had this conversation on this podcast many, many times. And you'd have a room full of people, and half the people potentially would say that actually it was kind of a bit of you know r- rough and tumble in the box, and there was a coming together, and they Rodri fell over. Some people would argue. Others, and most of them City fans, I would say, would say quite clearly that was a foul and that should have been a penalty. But at the end of the day, that's about an opinion. And whether that's the referee on the pitch or the guy sitting in his, in his uh, porter cabin near Heathrow or wherever, wherever he sits, it still comes down to opinion at the end of the day. And that's what's going to decide these decisions. And VAR ain't going to help that. We're still going to have an argument about whose opinion is right or wrong. It's not going to help that. And, and that's one of the key problems. You know, and I'm not specifically saying that that particular decision was right or wrong and I'm trying not to put my blue-tinted specs on because I think you could easily argue that that wasn't a penalty if you weren't a City supporter in particular. But there was a body of opinion around the commentariat and the experts um, in the media who were pretty conclusively all agreed that that was a penalty. Now... What Dermot Gallagher then came out and uh, um, and said on Sky after the game uh, was completely contradictory and utterly unhelpful because in one breath he said that it was the referee's decision uh, and the referee decided not to refer it to VAR and therefore uh, VAR wasn't able to have any um, impact on it. And in the next breath he said that the referee discussed it, apparently, um, with the guys um, in the, uh, the VAR room, and they both agreed that it wasn't a penalty. Um, now, if, if the, the, the VAR is opining on a subjective decision like that, then that is always going to be hugely controversial, and it's not going to solve any problem that wasn't there before. And it brings VAR into disrepute when it's used on conclusive um, issues such as a handball or an offside, where it either hits the arm or it doesn't. You know, whether you like the law or not, that's the law. I suspect we're going to revisit this, and, and I'm, we've spent a lot of time talking about VAR. I would like to, if I can, move on and talk... You, you don't want to move on. I want to say one other thing. Please. Because I, just going back to Rob's point about how uh, corrosive it can be, you know, the subjective incidents lead to 
sort of conspiracy type issues and whether there's any manipulation, mm. um, which is very serious and even more serious than when the referee's making the decision on the pitch in real time without any other help. He's either either gets it right or he doesn't. Everybody has a bit of a moan about it and they uh, they move on to the next week and the next game. When it goes to the video replays and you're supposed to see every angle and you don't, then there's a problem. And I just want to just refer back to the Liverpool-Chelsea um, game in Europe where the penalty was given very late in the game to Chelsea. The TV replays very, very clearly showed that the attacker wasn't touched and that should have been reversed and it wasn't. And I think there were some reasons for that outside of what was going on in the game, but that was a manipulation. I think it leaves everything else open to how are they going to manipulate things if they want to. I want to talk about what was potentially, Rob, the best football at times, Manchester City have played it under Pep Guardiola's stewardship in the last three years, potentially. It was wonderful to watch. Uh, I was thrilled by so many aspects of the play. Bernardo had a great game. Um, Rodri, I thought, played spectacularly well. De Bruyne was sensational. Um, Walker had a very good game. Uh, and Sterling was uh, viciously aggressive. So that, that was thrilling. The, the moves they put together were great. But they wasted a lot of chances, Nigel, which is part and parcel of the genius that we, we, we see. You know, they, they create many more chances than they uh, convert. And that, it's not an Achilles heel, but it's a fact uh, that we have to consider. We should have won that game irrespective of VAR. We should have been out of sight at half-time. Uh, but nevertheless, it was thrilling to watch. And that, um, that uh, so-called journalist from the Daily Telegraph who said last week that City were boring simply is not fit to be called a journalist when you saw them play like that. Uh, just some of those facts, talking about facts, I mean, just remind people that possession, I thought it was higher than this, and at times it was, was 56-44, but shots... It's, it's been sort of well reported, 30 for City and 3 for Spurs. I mean, that is frightening. Uh, and as you say, Rob, to come away from a, a game like that only with a point kind of does sort of give you some, some concern. I mean, there, there were, were areas that, whilst we were brilliant to it at times, that there must be some concern that sits alongside that. 30 shots against 3, yeah? And, and, we, drew, and we drew the game. It makes me content and happy that Spurs are one of the contenders for the title and they were completely outclassed by City on the day in terms of play. And that gives me confidence that we're going to do okay this season. But that, are you as excited as Rob? I mean, we, 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 we dropped two points there at home against one of our title contenders early in the season. Um, so, so, so 
before we get on to those frailties, and I think you yourself on social media have pointed out the Edison positioning, which I'm keen to, to ask you about for, for that first goal. But some of the positives, Rob's pointed some out already. Your, your thoughts on some of that movement and comparing it certainly with the West Ham game, I was fortunate to be there as well. Just we started the game far quicker, far. We moved the ball quicker. We, we were f- far more purposeful. It was a much better performance from, from the start against Spurs. It was brilliant. I mean, it was. I think Guardiola was right in that it was one of the greatest demonstrations of Guardiola ball that we've seen ever. But we're not playing Guardiola ball. We've got to uh, win games by scoring more than the other team. Um, as far as uh, playing to the Guardiola strategy is concerned, one can, you know, there's virtually it was virtual perfection. Um, but the strategy and the tactics that he puts in place for the team um, are just that. They don't automatically mean you score goals and you don't let any in. Uh, And there's nothing more frustrating than not winning a game that you've utterly dominated and outplayed the opposition in for 89 and a half of the 90 minutes. So it was uh, very disappointing, but obviously uh, extremely encouraging for the season because we destroyed probably the, uh, uh, the third best team in the country um, and we'll probably you know, get 90 plus points again this season. Uh, so what particularly disappointed you then? So, so just let's talk through the, that, that equaliser. We, we go one up, well deserved. Eight, I have to say, that De Bruyne's cross, he just didn't even look up. Mm. And that for me was a class genius. He just stroked that ball with his left foot and, and, and just pinpoint Sterling. Tight angle wasn't, wasn't the easiest angle to score from either. I think it was and his just right made foot it, actually, but it was brilliant. And we missed it from it last was, year. You're quite right, it was his right we foot. We missed it from last year. He was doing that regularly. Uh, pre-last year um, it was normally Aguero on the end of them I, I, I was quite surprised I think Sterling looked absolutely terrified as the ball uh, angled towards his head but he managed somehow to get it into the far corner it was a brilliant goal De Bruyne was brilliant we were great uh, I thought we relaxed a bit after scoring the first goal um, Spurs equaliser was absolutely criminal I don't think you can really blame a defender there's no reason why Lamella should score from just loitering around in that area of the pitch with the ball. Um, I think Edison had just departed. Just switched, a, just switched off, didn't he, I think, for, for a second. It's, it's easy when you're not seeing much of the ball and he doesn't get much yeah. sight of the ball. Yeah, I mean, the ball was just passed into the middle of the net. Um, but don't you think that, don't you think that uh, City let Spurs come on to them, whereas so much of the character of their game is to... Uh, attack teams when they've got the ball to get it back again, and that didn't happen. I, th- I thought uh, that was a weakness which I'd like to see eradicated. In our but, game? Yeah, for that in, goal. At, at that for point, the goal. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think we do it not... It's not unusual that we do that after we score a goal. We do relax a little bit. We let the other team have the ball a little bit. All the wonderful praise that our players get very regularly for chasing the ball down, harrying opponents, working hard off the ball, blah 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 just wasn't happening in those few moments. Um, it, the, the game changed. Spurs were clearly trying to play deep, waiting for the break, um, but in fact they scored just from being allowed to have possession reasonably 
deep in our half. But it, it, you know, it was a, it was just a rubbish goal. I mean, as I say, it just he just passed it into the net, didn't he? Mm. And and then we had the situation where De Bruyne again actually looked up this time before he, he, he a right foot pass again. And I don't think Aguero got the credit actually for that finish. I thought it was absolutely exquisite. Uh, finish. Uh, it just made it look easy, didn't he, really? It was balletic. <laughs> it was fabulous. And then... Um, and, and we were holding our breath. I was holding my breath for the VAR. Were you? <laughs> no, I wasn't, I wasn't on that one, I have to say. But uh, Lucas Mora comes on, who's like three foot seven, um, and managed to outjump Walker, Rodri, who's six foot three. Um, so what's that all about, then? That's, that's, that's disappointing as well, isn't it? A set piece to, to, to concede like that. It's a different type of goal. Um, and we're back to two all. But every team's vulnerable. That's the game. You know, there's no point saying, "Well, Vincent Company's gone, therefore we." You know, I didn't concede. say that. I know, but there's you know, <laughs> you other, said that. other people have. Other no, people have. Not me. Um, he's doing well, isn't he? Have you said he's not won yet? Has he? I don't know. He hasn't. I feel. I sus- I I feel for him. I suspect we may see him as a as a uh, sky uh, pundit before the year is out. But anyway. Um, yeah, you know, you always there's always a chance you're going to concede from a corner. It's a great leveller. Uh, why did how did Mora win the header? Well, he got up, his timing was right. Maybe we were uh, you know half a pace off. I don't know. But again, it's the, it's the same with the 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 uh, the disallowed equaliser at the end. We should never have been a position in a position to uh, allow a goal like that to have prevented us from. Uh, winning that game. Rob Behrens was a very commanding centre-back, I seem to remember, tall and strong and would never have allowed a, mm. a short substitute to come on within 19 seconds of muscle. Rob, you must have been disappointed watching that as a, as well, a former centre-back. It and was an inspired substitution by Pochettino and one of the nice things about the game was how well the two coaches got on, which they haven't always got on, so uh, that was good. But when, you, when a substitute comes on... Who, like Moura, who's a distinguished goal scorer, you have to take special precautions. And Walker, who, who had a poor season last year, in my view, who, who's played very well so far this season, was at fault. And I hope that he realises that. You've, you've helped me raise a, an important point. You talk about the two managers getting on very well. When Sergio Aguero was substituted, it didn't look as though the manager and he necessarily had a... It wasn't exactly a sort of friendly fireside chat in front of 55,000 spectators and the millions watching on television. Well, what, that, what, what do you read into that, That Rob? is true. But there's another newspaper which calls itself the intelligent tabloid, the mirror, Uh, which supposedly covered this with great glee uh, after the game, saying how horrific it was that Pep and uh, Aguero were having an argument. It's true, they had an argument, which is what football is about when you have passion. But the truth is that at the end of that, uh, Aguero came out and he gave Pep a very big and prolonged hug which showed that that was over. And I think that was uh, excellent. First of all, Arteta separated them to make sure it didn't get any worse than it was. And I, I, I like to see passion. I don't think uh, uh, football's kind of game where you, you should be too cerebral about it. Aguero clear, clearly cares. Pep was angry with him. And they had an argument. So what? And... Well, is it not that Guardiola was apparently blaming or as- ascribing some blame 
to one of the goals to Aguero. I'm not sure which one. Um, and then, yeah, at the end, he came on and gave him a big hug when he thought Jesus, Jesus had won the game. And he obviously hadn't, but they obviously made up. I mean, yeah, it's good to see. It's nice that they've done that. Have we got a problem at left back? Just Again, I'm trying to find maybe areas where we need to improve. Clearly, Zinchenko is filling in there. Did a great job last year. Wasn't as convinced getting in yesterday. Mendy, I'm not sure when his return is due. He's not the best defender, of course. He's great going forward. Just, just thoughts on that. Is that, that an area of concern? I think you're right. Rob's already pointed out. I think Walker's having a good season. We've got Cancelo to come in there. I think he can also play left back potentially as well. Uh, was substitute yes, uh, at the weekend. Didn't come on. Just, just, I'm just trying to think of those areas where we might see a bit of a chink in the armour. Is that a concern for you, Nick? Well, well how long does Zinchenko count as not being really a left-back? I mean, he's been playing left-back probably for longer than he's played in any other position. And he certainly played left-back in uh, the first team more than he's played anywhere else. In fact, it's probably the only place he's, he's um, played. So... Uh, for me, he's just a left-back. He's not a stand-in left-back or a temporary left-back. If he's going to play, then he's a left-back. Is he good enough? <sighs> yeah, I think he's good enough. Rob, you're, well, you're... You, you can't criticise his record because I think that was the first time he hasn't actually won a game when he's played for City. But I, I, I like him, I respect him. I think he, he gives 100% to the team. But his distribution is not as good as that of other players. And I think that is a bit of a weakness. But fullback is a very, very difficult position to play for Guardiola. I think it's probably the hardest position because it's, it's 80% about attack and distribution. And actually, the fullbacks distribute the ball far, far less than, than the centre-backs. So yes, that, needs, that is an important part of his game. And you're right, actually, his distribution... It's possibly not quite up there with the very best. Um, but it's, as I say, it's more about attacking than uh, uh, defending. Um, and I think anybody in that position playing for Guardiola is going to have a pretty tough time and is going to come in for a lot of criticism, um, whoever it may be. This, you know, how many fullbacks can you buy until you found the greatest fullback that's ever played the game who's going to you know, really, really become this great player on, under Guardiola. That was Bill Levers. He was... He, was... <laughs> he didn't play under Guardiola. No, he didn't. <laughs> and the Les McDowell, I think, probably, was he? Or That's the... right, yeah. I, think it's I mean, I like seeing Kyle Walker getting up the wing a lot yeah, more this yeah. year than he was last la- yeah. in the last couple. I think that's already made a massive difference, and it's turned him into to someone who, you know, maybe is not playing dramatically better than he was, but he looks like he's making a much bigger contribution. Could that be Cancelo sitting on, on the bench or, is, or, or, or not? How much of an issue is that, do you think, for him, knowing that he's waiting to take his place? It's a long old season. We had the same conversation about Bernardo a couple of years ago, didn't we? Uh, he waited quite a long time to get his chance. Um, You've got to wait till January, February, March before you, before you know how it's going to pan out. Uh, and, Rob- and even then he might make a contribution in the last eight, nine um, games. But I think uh, Walker would be a fool if he didn't understand the lack of sentimentality that Pep has and bringing in this new player and paying so much for him uh, is a warning to him that he has to produce. And, And one of the exciting things about City now is the depth of the squad. If you think about the players who didn't play on Saturday, Fernandinho hasn't played this season, 
Silva had a, a, a bit role to play. Foden didn't play. So that, that is very exciting, Cancelo as well. Rob mentioned Rodri, and I, I don't think you've had a chance to mention him. Obviously, we've only seen him sort of twice now. Uh, but I think he, I couldn't agree more that he was commanding. He was, he, he looked fantastic. And of course, for the last two or three years, we've been worried about who is going to eventually fill Fernandinho's shoes, massive shoes to fill, of course. And it looks as though we've found somebody six foot three. He brings some height, which you haven't had for a while. He looks superb, doesn't he? He does. He looks amazing. Um, he seems to have just dropped in and looks like he's been there for years. Uh, I think we've got to wait a little bit longer and see how he plays if and when he ever gets involved in games that are slightly more challenging than the first two defensively for him. Um, But for now, yeah, he just looks great and he's got the physique, he's got the stature. Uh, Obviously, he wasn't marking Mora particularly well for that corner. Uh, But, yeah looks amazing. I mean, the way that he's just dropped in there. Uh, that, that bit of skill from Bernardo Silva uh, was worth the entrance fee alone, wasn't it? I would have thought. And ended up with him being penalised for a foul, which I'm still trying to work out how on earth... Maybe, maybe Mr Oliver thought he was taking the piss too much and thought, you're not allowed to do that. There's too much entertainment and I'm in charge here. Who, who knows? But what, what a sublime piece of skill. He, he's some player. It was. It was fabulous. Absolutely awesome. Um... I thought he had a great game, but in a in a way, it, you know, it comes back to the fact that we didn't score enough goals. He was guilty of missing one or two, at least one fairly decent chance. Um, he it was a little bit of lack of penetration from him. I thought that Sterling scored his goal, but a little bit of lack of penetration from him as well. And Aguero, who got the other goal, I thought didn't have the greatest of games. Uh, I thought it was it was a good substitution to get Jesus on, and who he brought a fair bit of energy into the team. I, I thought David Silva's substitution was a bit late for me. I thought we were begging for that for him to be on at sort of fifty five odd minutes yeah. um, to get things moving again. Can we uh, move to our? game that I don't think you've played before, you two. So it's very simple. You just have to say hit or miss. And we've got sort of four or five. You may have heard it on previous shows if you've been listening. So you're not allowed to it. It's not, not for discussion, really. And then we'll look forward to the Bournemouth game. Uh, so, uh, Rob, hit or miss? City's new home kit. Hit or miss? It's a hit. <laughs> I know you Oh, me as well? Yeah, both of you. Is there an in, is there an in no. between? Don't hit care. or miss? Go uh, on with it. Come on. Quick. Uh, miss. Oh, right, okay. Uh, no, no, no. Pep's casual attire on the touchline. Oh, absolutely hit. Hit. Michael Oliver's refereeing on Saturday. Miss. Miss. VAR. Miss. Undecided. <laughs> Let's look forward to Bournemouth. What were you going to say? You were going to say something, Rob. I'll let you say something. You don't have to, no. Looking forward to Bournemouth then at, at the weekend. Sunday, of course, two o'clock. Yeah. Um, do you expect to see any changes? Some people say maybe they'll give Cancelo a run out. Is it time to give Foden a chance? Does Fernandinho get his first start? I mean, so many, as you said before, we've got such strength in depth, so many options open to him. Will there be a surprise? Will he play two up top? All sorts of options he's got. Exciting times. Your, your thoughts on the trip to the South Coast on Sunday? Well, I, I would like to see some changes now because... 
if you have a, a very strong squad and you've come out of a game where you didn't win because you failed to be decisive enough in front of goal, then you should shake it up. And I think the players who've been excluded so far deserve an opportunity to show what they're made of. I think, uh, therefore, I would be in favour of uh, making changes and uh, refreshing the team uh, because it's going to be a long season anyway. So, so in which so give us listen, Pep always surprises us anyway. We never know, but but kind of give us some examples. Of where would you like to see? Would you want to see Foden starting? Is this the sort of game where you potentially get Foden starting? Well, I, I would, I would play Foden. Uh, I think he he's not been played enough, and I think Pep accepts that. And this is the kind of game where. He, he can show his skill. I would give the new fullback a game as well uh, because I think that he needs to be blooded. I don't think you should wait for too long for that to happen. Uh, I wasn't sure about Gundogan on, on Saturday and uh, I'd think about uh, an exchange for him. Uh, but, and Jesus deserves a, a 90 minutes as well. Okay. So, fair, fair number, Joe, would you agree with that? Nick, in terms of the changes, maybe you'd, you'd have different personnel, but, but in terms of changes, ring the changes, well, drop what, two what, points at home? What's Guardiola going to do? He's come out and said the team were absolutely brilliant, one of the best performances he's ever seen. Drops, in, drop two points Inwardly, he's absolutely seething <laughs> exactly. that we didn't win that game, and he's bitterly angry and disappointed with various players for what they did or didn't do. So is he going to stand by them and say they were brilliant and we're going to pl- I'm going to play the same 11? Or is he going to hook a few off and say, you're out for the next couple of... Is it in Sashville break the week after? I can't remember. Um, you know, I had enough of you. I'm, I've got loads of other players, so you're on the sidelines. Uh, I, I think Jesus maybe might start. I, couldn't, I can't see Phil Foden starting away from home. I would have thought he's more likely to start a game at home. Um, Cancelo, I guess, yeah, I mean, why not stick him in? You might as well. Um, Gundawan, and uh, uh, it's so difficult, isn't it? I mean, I guess, you know, thinking back to, to, to the, the, the Spurs game, when you're that far on top, I think there's got to be some change, slight change of gear that says, well, you know, we don't need eight, nine hundred passes today. We're so on top in this game. We've just got to go a little bit more direct and actually just try and get the ball in the box, score some goals uh, and create some direct chances. Um, and who was, you know, are players like Gundogan a little bit susceptible to just sitting there doing the same thing for 90 minutes when actually, you know, you just want someone to slide the ball between a couple of defenders and stick someone in? Um, to answer your question, uh, we've got uh, it's Brighton the following week, of course, right. uh, at home. Then there's the international break, oh, right. and we then go to Norwich at home. What, so we've got two home games: Norwich and Watford, and then go away to Everton. So people did say get the Spurs game out of the way, and then we've potentially got some games where we should be uh, we should be turning sides over. Um, it's been an absolute joy and a pleasure. Thank you very much to my two guests, uh, to Nick Goldstone and to Rob Barron, CTID. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.